gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero Superman Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring The Thrilling Adventures of Superman Golden Age Superman The Superman Fan Podcast Superman in the Bronze Age From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast The New 52 Adventures of Superman Superman Forever Radio I've got a few things to say about Superman The Kara's World Podcast The Superman Vidcast The World's Best Podcast And... Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, J. David Weeder, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Danny Sapp, Cayman Stoll, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co host Scotty V. at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El came to Earth, whose environment gave him fantastic powers. In Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil the world over as Superman. Gentlemen, welcome to episode 75 of Superman in the Bronze Age, the longest-running and only podcast providing exclusive coverage of Superman's Bronze Age adventures. As always, my name is Charlie Niemeyer, and today we're going to take a look at Superman in the early 80s. But before we do that... This episode is sponsored by Discount Comic Book Services. DCBS is an online comics retailer that offers comic fans the comics they need at the prices they want, with monthly specials that range from 45 to 75% off the retail price, and over 13,000 individual collected editions. DCBS is the one-stop shop that every comic fan longs for. You can find them on the web at www.dcbservice.com, and please also be sure to visit their sister stores, In Stock Trades, and My Digital Comics. Now, before I get into the emails and everything, I've got a few things I want to mention. Uh, as I mentioned a little bit ago, this is episode 75. I first started this show way back in November of 2010, as the second of a new wave of Superman podcast. J. David Weider's Superman Forever Radio started just before me, but several shows started shortly after this show debuted. And I'm proud to say that I am one of the founding members of the Superman Podcast Network, and as such, I created the little promo you hear at the start of each episode. Looking back, a lot of stuff has been covered on this show, including, but not limited to, the entire Kryptonite Nevermore storyline, the Morgan Edge clone saga, which included covering most of Jack Kirby's run on Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, the introduction of Terra Man, the new Toy Man, the introduction of Steve Lombard, Vartox, the Galactic Golem, Captain Strong, the entire Man or Superman storyline, the first meeting of Superboy and Aquaboy, although that was 
in the Superboy section, as well as Superboy's first meeting with Harold Hal Jordan. We got we covered two versions of Superman's origin, the battle with Captain Thunder, the wedding of Mr. and Mrs. Superman, the Superman Spectacular, and more. It's been a busy 75 episodes, and I'd like to thank my past guests for joining me for the ride. They include, and I think I've got everybody here, but um, we've got Michael Bradley, Michael Bailey, Jeffrey Taylor, Billy Hogan, Donovan Morgan Grant, Josh Lappin-Bertoni, John Wilson, and especially J. David Weeder, who started off as a guest, then a co-host, and is now host of the Superboy in the Bronze Age feature that comes at the end of almost every episode. He's also the one who got me up and running on the show's current website and server, and will be my co-conspirator at this year's Superman celebration in Metropolis. I'd also like to send a special shout-out to Steve Eunice, who runs the Superman homepage, since he also posts when new episodes are available, so that more people know that I'm around. And finally, I want to thank you guys, the listeners. There would really be no point in doing this show if no one was listening, and judging by the numbers, it, it appears that I have a pretty consistent and loyal listenership. So, I want to thank you guys for listening. Okay, now we can put away the Kleenex. Uh, first up, we've got an iTunes review, which is so much awesome. This is the first iTunes review that I've gotten since I, wow, since I started this series on with episode 50, uh, since I moved it over to the new feed. Um, and it is, you know, I've got to admit, this guy, wow. Uh, this is from Russell Bragg who is my almost my one man listener feedback. He's been he's been sending feedback in for this show as well as my Charlie's Geekcast show and has been pretty consistent and I don't know how he has the time but thank you Russell I really appreciate it. In any event, this is what he wrote on the uh he gave me 5 stars, which is awesome, and he writes great podcast with a great podcaster. This is the Superman I grew up with, so I naturally gravitated to this podcast. You can tell that Mr. Niemeyer, which he spells correctly, puts a lot into every show. He's very knowledgeable, does the research, and has a great sense of humor. I love the hostess ads. I was happy when Mr. Weeder joined the show with his review of Superboy comics. Always been a Superboy fan, so that added to why I wanted to listen. If you want to know about Superman and or Superboy during the 70s to 1985, look no further than Superman in the Bronze Age. So thank you for that, Russell. Russell also sent in an email, and I would be remiss if I skipped over that. Uh, this is uh, He wrote this in response to previous episode, episode 74, Superman in the 70s. And he writes, Hello! Superb show as always. Well, thanks. First off, I wanted to thank you for thanking me for my last email. I wouldn't say I did a lot of research. With the internet and Google, all you need are the right words, and you can find almost anything. Shh, Russell, you're giving away the secrets. <clears throat> uh, he continues, But I, like anyone, like to be appreciated, so I thank you. Superman in the 70s, to me, was more cartoons than comic books, mostly because I didn't have any money to spend back then. I've always loved the tabloid-sized edition comics. I don't know why. I guess it's because it's different from the standard comic, and they really really stand out. I never saw them when they came out, but I saw them in the ads when I could get a comic, and I have a lot of them in my comic collection now, many of the ones you mentioned in your synopsis. 
Superman in the 70s to me also means Superman the movie. I remember when it came out and all the buzz and excitement. I remember my friends inviting me to go see it with them, and I can't for the life of me remember why I couldn't. It would have been awesome to see on the big screen. Oh well, at least I have the Blu-ray Superman set. I guess that's all for now. Wanted to let you know what a great episode it was, and can't wait to hear about Superman of the 80s. I'll probably have more to say about that. So take care. Russell. And, P.S. Okay, now I'm going to read this kind of in third person. Although, this is also part of the comment he left on the episode, so maybe you may have already read this. But Russell's wanting to challenge everyone that listens to this particular episode to send to send me an email at superbronze1970 at gmail.com or comment on the page on the website at supermanandthebronzeage.com. Uh, he sure that you could even poke me on Facebook, and he would, and I would appreciate it. Um, as long as it's on Facebook, yes. Um, he says to let Charlie know we listeners love his podcast and the work he puts into each and every show. Please, I don't want to feel like he's doing the podcast just for me. And PP or PSS, I thought it was PPS. But anyway, uh, I hope you received my iTunes review and rating. You haven't mentioned it, so I wasn't sure. Well, yes, I found it. I apologize for not seeing it sooner, but thank you for pointing it out. That's what gave me the heads up. Um, so thank you, Russell. If uh, Based on what you just said, you're going to enjoy the next set of episodes um, because next month, starting with the next episode and going all of June both on this show as well as a crossover with Superman with Charlie's Geekcast is a four-part commentary on the Superman movies. Each episode is going to feature a commentary on each of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, with the first one featuring, of course, Superman the movie, and I've got the Leylands joining me for that one. If you don't know them, they are Andy and Michael Leyland of Hey Kids Comics. I am the first podcast to get both of them together at the same time, on a different podcast that isn't theirs. And there's even going to be um, small cameos by the rest of the Leyland family. Except for Adam, because he was too cool to join in. And after that, I'm going to be getting into covering all of the tabloid-sized Superman comics that have new stuff. I'm not going to cover the reprints, but um, Superman vs. Muhammad Ali... Superman vs. Wonder Woman, Superman vs. Shazam, uh, all three of those. Oh, did I say Wonder Woman? Yeah, Wonder Woman. So, yeah, I'm going to be covering those. It, I can't think of the schedule right off the top of my head, and it's on my iPhone, which is in another room. So I'm not going to stop to look at it now. But um, if it's not the, if it's not in July, I believe we'll be kicking into that in July or August. So by the end of the summer, we'll have all those covered, and I have guests planned for those as well as the commentaries. So, I hope you enjoy all that. Um, as for the movie, as far as seeing it on the big screen, I have to say it's a pretty cool experience. I, of course, wasn't alive. <laughs> Sorry if that hurts your feelings, but I was not alive when Superman the movie came out. In fact, the very first Superman movie I was able to see in theaters was Superman Returns. I guess I could have seen Superman 4. But um, apparently I decided to see He-Man instead. Um, I did get to see Superman 1 a few years ago when they 
we're doing a um, retro movie program at one of the theaters in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Superman the movie was one of them. And uh, fortunately, uh, I think my wife and I went on, I want to say it was a Wednesday night, maybe a Thursday night. There was only one, another, one other couple in the theater with us, and a strange old man that walked in during the intro, during the opening, pretended he was leading an orchestra during the Superman theme, left, and then came back, and then continued to do that every time there was music playing. That was weird. Uh, but I think this uh, basically this this was the version of the film that was used for the remaster in 2001 and I'm thinking this is the same reel of film that they used when they did the test screening down in San Antonio because this this version of the movie was so messed up um, I mean most of it was fine but there was places where the sound warbled and there was places where the where the picture on the screen jumped a little bit and it had the blotches and the artifacting on it. It just it looked like it had seemed better. To, it looked like this one needed to be cleared up, cleaned up too. So, but it was cool seeing the the helicopter scene was pretty much perfect and seeing that on the big screen was amazing. But you know what? We've got other emails which I, I apologize. I'm not used to having so many emails all at once, so it's kind of throwing me off. Uh the next email comes from Mike Potit. And he writes, Superman in the 70s. Hi, Charlie. I heard your plea for email in episode 74, and I figured I should drop you a line. Born in 1972, I became a Superman fan during the Bronze Age, being introduced to the character via the 1978 Donner film. Wow, we were just talking about that. I didn't read the then-current stories, however. Amazingly, I had no real knowledge of ongoing comic books, and even if I had, I'd certainly have had no budget for them. Although I did read the Great Superman comic book collection, which I know contains some bona fide Bronze Age material. Yes, it does. Still, my enjoyment of the character was largely limited to endless rewatchings of the 1978 film and Superman 2 whenever they'd show up on TV. My wife inadvertently got me into comic books back in 2006 by giving me a CD collection of the old Superman radio serial. From there, I went to go see Superman Returns, and even though it's not a great film, it did remind me of having been a Superman fan as a kid, and it put me back on the road to the comics. My son, then five years old, and I enjoyed the Crypto the Superdog cartoon and read the Johnny DC comic. On my own, I started picking up action comics because of the Richard Donner Last Son storyline, and I've been enjoying being a current Superman fan ever since. So I've gone back to read some of what has been published when I was young. I owned the Superman in the 70s trade, as well as the fantastic hardcover collection of the Sand Superman saga. I think my favorite Bronze Age story so far is Let My People Grow. Yeah, it's kind of goofy, but I think it hits some real emotional notes near the end. What other trades would you recommend I be on the lookout for? Thanks for these episodes, and keep up the good work. Mike Potit, Harrowtown, Pennsylvania. Uh, I already responded to Mike, but I'll go ahead and say it here for anyone else that's interested. Recently, we've gotten some cool Superman trades that have been coming out that, um, for whatever... I mean, it's not just because... Well, actually, it's probably mostly because of the anniversary and the movie. But there have been some interesting Superman selections as far as trades lately. One is one you can't miss out on. It's the Superman um, by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez praise be his name uh, 
Uh, yeah, it's the Superman. It's Superman by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez trade paperback, which collects several, if not just about all, of these interior stories that Jose Luis Garcia Lopez did art for. In addition to that, um, there are some others. There's a Superman versus Brainiac trade that doesn't collect issues exclusively from the Bronze Age, but does include some Bronze Age era uh, Superman versus Brainiac battles. Uh, there have been reprints of Superman versus Muhammad Ali, Superman versus Shazam. There's a Superman versus Lex Luthor trade, which also covers some Bronze Age Superman stories as well as stories from other eras. The cover is very Bronze Age as well. Uh, let's see. There's a book called Superman Secrets of the Fortress of Solitude, which, while most of the stuff in it does not have anything to do with the Bronze Age, it does reprint a hard-to-find DC special series number 26, which featured the Secrets of the Fortress of Solitude, which was a Bronze Age tabloid format book. So you would want to check that out, I think. There is a Superman book showcasing the stories by Gil Kane, which of course will feature a good chunk of Marv Wolfman's run on the book. There is the Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow trade, which collects the final two stories from the Bronze Age era, as well as the um, Alan Moore's story from Swamp Thing that occurred before and also it, it also collects the uh, what are, uh, what the, yeah for the man who has everything superman annual number 11 also by Alan Moore uh, let's see superman in the 80s has some books from the late part of the bronze age as well as the early part of the post crisis era uh, there are several jo uh, jack kirby books I don't know if they have any that specifically covered just the Jimmy Olsen stuff, uh, but I know that they've got uh, these Jack Kirby omnibus books uh, that actually they have them in trade paperback too that uh, cover specifically Jack Kirby's run on all sorts of on all of his DC books, uh, and that's all I'm seeing right now. Uh, let's see, yeah. So you could always check those out. Also, um, most of the Bronze Age era books are still rather cheap. They're starting to get expensive on the older ones just because of how far back they are, um, being almost 40 years old. But when you're getting to the late 70s, early 80s, you're talking about maybe two or three bucks for most of them. So you could probably check that out. Uh, for a great look at any part of history up to 1978, there's the Encyclopedia of Comic Book Heroes Volume 3, which is Superman, which basically reprints the Superman Encyclopedia from 1978. Uh, if you want to know that, that covers most of the Bronze Age and anything that happened to Superman before that. And, uh, let's see, yeah. 
And then there's also Superman Adventures of Nightwing and Flamebird, uh, which, while it doesn't cover the main Superman book, this book does cover Bronze Age tales of Flamebird and Nightwing that appeared in Superman Family 173 and then 183 through 194. But yeah, so I would recommend checking out some of those. You can get all of those for a good price at Instock Trades, which is the sister company for our for the sponsor for this show. So if you're interested, check that out. Um, hopefully that answers your questions. Thank you for listening, by the way. Um, glad to have you aboard. Next up, we have an email by Tim Smith. And he writes uh, with the subject, Enjoy the Shows. Just wanted to let you know that I really enjoy your Superman and the Bronze Age podcasts. I especially like that you don't use foul language, which allows me and my young son to listen to it together. Thanks, Tim in West Virginia. Well, Tim, thank you for writing. This is uh, this is actually a pretty awesome email. Um, welcome to both you and your son. And I'm glad you're enjoying the I'm glad you're enjoying the shows and I'm really trying hard to keep the foul language in this show to a minimum. Charlie's Geek Cast sometimes gets the language but that's more of a, a I don't want to say a freer show but it kind of allows for that. This show is about Superman. Superman is a hero for everyone and no matter how old you are or how young you are and Therefore, in order for everyone, especially this era of Superman, when you had the Comics Code Authority keeping things pretty PG to G rated. So I want to make sure that anyone can listen to it. So I'm trying to keep it as, uh, you know, I'm trying to be as careful with the language as I can. And in the few occasions when I or a guest or some clip that I use has foul language, I do try to bleep it out whenever possible. Some may slip past, and I apologize if you've come across any of those, but I am doing my best to make sure that this is an all-ages show. So thank you. And that's going to do it for our feedback. That is a lot of feedback. Uh, thank you guys so much. I've ne- I, I think that's just one of the few times I've had so many. Um... And after a couple promos, we'll be right back with Superman in the 80s. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like... Ready to form Voltron! Or maybe... How about... I am Batman! Or... This is a job for Superman! Do you remember... Or this? Right away, Michael. Or maybe even this? Autobots, transform! Or this? By the power of Grayskull! Or... For the honor of Grayskull! Or have you seen the latest episode of... Hello. I'm the Doctor. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then check out Charlie's GeekCast, hosted by me, Charlie Niemeyer. Charlie's GeekCast is a bi-weekly podcast covering comics and other geek stuff. The first episode of each month is devoted to comics, where, currently, I'm covering Grant Morrison's run on JLA, 
one storyline at a time. The other episode of the month is devoted to whatever else I want to talk about, such as movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, and more. Feel free to check it out at www.charliesgeekcast.com. You'll be glad you did. Well, hopefully... Since the day Bruce Banner was bathed in gamma rays, he has fought the creature within. The creature torments Banner. The creature is unstoppable. The creature is incredible. Now, the countdown has begun to Banner's greatest confrontation with the Hulk. And all of his internal battles have come down to one moment. One final chance to reclaim his life and be whole. And three words will change the Hulk and Banner forever. Honey, I'm home. Bigger, smarter, greener. The Hulk is taken to new heights as writer Peter David delivers an all-new phase for the Jade Giant. And Pad Smash, an Incredible Hulk podcast, is bringing it all to you. Join J. David Weider, Lee Busby, and Michael Bailey as they turn a new corner and cover the all-new, all-different Incredible Hulk. Find the Ultimate Hulk podcast experience weekly at iTunes and at IncredibleHulkHomepage.com. Pad Smash. An Incredible Hulk podcast. Experience the epic like never before. We now return to Superman in the Bronze Age. Okay, okay. I screwed up a little bit. Before I get into the 80s, I completely forgot to mention all of the creative changes that occurred at the end of the 70s last episode which will take us into the 80s. I got so big, I got so worried about making sure I got all the editorial and creative changes in the early 70s that I totally forgot the late 70s. So, let me cover most of that here. Starting in about 1976, things on the Superman creative front got shaken up a bit. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, was brought onto the Superman book to be the new official artist but it turned out that he couldn't handle a monthly assignment, so Kurt Swan, who was still drawing action at the time, was reinstated as the Superman artist. Elliot S. Magan temporarily left the Superbooks to work in a couple of Superman novels, Last Son of Krypton and Miracle Monday. Speaking of which, uh, as I record this, it is Miracle Monday, and that means that J. David Weider has just released the latest episode of Superman Forever Radio, which features him and I going over the Miracle Monday novel that I just mentioned. So if you haven't downloaded it yet, please go check that out. It's at um, supermanforever.com, and you can also find it on iTunes. It was a lot of fun, so please make sure you check that out. Anyway, back to Superman history. Uh, Carrie Bates was moved over to Action Comics. Uh, Jerry Conway came on board to write a few issues before Martin Pasco became the main writer over on Superman. Pasco not only reinvigorated older villains such as the original Toy Man, Bizarro, and Titano, believe it or not, but he also brought in the concept of the ongoing narrative to the Superman book. Previously, Schwartz had kept everything episodic, but now we had ongoing subplots. Plus, he not only brought back Lana Lang and made her an active part of the supporting cast, but he brought back Kryptonite, introduced a new Metallo, and introduced the Atomic Skull. It was also during his run that he had the misfortune of writing the story The Master Mesmerizer of Metropolis, which tried to explain how Clark 
was actually subconsciously hypnotizing everyone into thinking that he looked older and frailer when he was really uh, than he really was when he was in his Clark Kent identity. That idea had actually come from a frequent letter writer and was quickly forgotten soon after the issue was published. In fact, it was never mentioned again. On the other hand, he also wrote the life story of Superman in Action Comics 500, so it kind of all evens out in the wash. After Pasco left, Lynn Wein returned for another brief run that included the re-enlargement of Candor, before Jerry Conway joined up for a year or so to write on Superman. Meanwhile, Carrie Bates was still in action. This brings us into the 80s. Um, when, when Jerry Conway left, uh, Bates was put back on Superman, and Marv Wolfman came on as the main action writer. At this point, also... Uh, at this point, also, action arted, arted. Also, at this point, action started to see more guest artists such as Joe Staten, Irv Novick, and Alex Saviak. Also, the new Superboy book, The New Adventures of Superboy, started up, written by Carrie Bates with art by Kurt Schaffenberger and Dave Hunt. Working on both Superman comics and Superboy comics allowed Carrie Bates to cross elements and stories between the two books, which he did when aliens that Superboy helped in New Adventures of Superboy number 5 played a part in the return of Jonathan Kent in Action Comics 507 and 508. In 1982, Paul Kupperberg would take over for Bates as writer of Superboy, and Dave Hunt would start inking Kurt Swan pretty much wherever he happened to be drawing at the time. In 1983, Lois Lane broke up with Superman, which was a story that kicked off almost a year of interconnectivity between action and Superman. After generally being completely separate books that happened to star the same characters, not only did the ongoing subplot return, but now the subplots will cross over between the two books. At first, Swan drew both books, but after Comics 544, a new artist was brought on for action. Now, 544 is famous for the significant changes made to both Lex Luthor and Brainiac. According to Marv Wolfman, the way that that worked is that both superwriters at the time submitted proposals on how to change the characters. Wolfman's idea for Brainiac was to make him more of a computer robot, and his idea for Luthor was to make him a businessman who could attack Superman but Superman wouldn't be able to prove it was him. Sound familiar? Well, Wolfman says that Schwartz preferred both of his ideas to what Bates had submitted, but it wouldn't be fair to pick both of his ideas, so he chose Wolfman's Brainiac and Bates's Luther. Now, I point that this is Wolfman's point of view because I have heard nothing to agree or disagree with this account from Schwartz or Bates. Personally, it seems kind of fishy to me. I mean, it sounds like he's kind of talking himself up. But I wasn't there, so I really can't prove it either way. Whatever. In any event, Wolfman was able to use this idea to bring Vandal Savage back as the CAO of... Ah, I messed that up. In any event, Wolfman was still able to use his Luther idea by bringing back Vandal Savage as the CEO of the Abraxas Corporation. And, of course, he'd get to use it again when they had the post-crisis relaunch. Meanwhile, Bates gave Luther a better reason to hate Superman by having the villain blame the Man of Steel for the destruction of the planet Lexor and the death of Luther's wife and child in the process, even though Luther himself was really to blame for that. He created a new battlesuit to make himself more of a match for Superman, and then that crossed over 
back into the Superman title and helped introduce the new Superman logo. Basically, it's the, it's the Superman logo that we see today. However, sales were still on the decline, and Marv Wolfman had to leave to go work on this little story called Crisis on Infinite Earths. As for the other Superbooks, Superman Family was cancelled in 1982 when it got to the point that anthology comics no longer had a place in the then-current comics market. Supergirl would spin off into her own series, though, The Daring Adventures of Supergirl, by Paul Kupperberg, Carmine Infantino, and Bob Ostner. He, uh, that book would eventually get a Lois Lane backup feature, and since this was after the breakup of Lois and Superman, it was no longer Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, it was just Lois Lane. DC Comics Presents, which launched in 1978 to tie into the premiere of the Superman movie, continued um, telling tales of Superman's team-ups with other various DC heroes created by various creative teams. Some of the more notable stories involved the introduction of Mongol, a team-up with He-Man, a team-up of the Supermen of Earths 1 and 2 to take on their respective Luthors, and Ultraman of Earth 3, and even a team-up with Clark Kent in issue 50. It was also at this point that DC created full-issue tie-ins with other companies to help advertise their products. For example, Superman has multiple team-ups with a couple of students to help sell Tandy computers, available only at Radio Shack. In the first one, they help Superman take on major disaster when he is tricked into inhaling some kryptonite that puts his super brain on the fritz. Later, they team up with Superman and Wonder Woman to stop Lex Luthor. A story that I have not yet had a chance to read, but will be covering on the show in just a few months, is this Phantom Zone miniseries. This was written by Steve Gerber and drawn by Gene Colan. Considered to be DC's answer to the use of the Phantom Zone criminals in Superman 2, in this story, the Earth is invaded by the criminals in the Phantom Zone, most of whom possess the same powers as Superman and Supergirl, and Superman gets trapped in the Zone while Supergirl and the Justice League try to stop them. The miniseries was edited by Dick Giordano rather than Schwartz, so Gerber was able to get away with depicting things a little differently, such as officers getting hit by their own bullets after they've bounced off the Kryptonian village, village? after they've bounced off the Kryptonian villains, which is something Schwartz probably would not have allowed. And that brings us all up to about 84, and after a couple of promos, we'll take a look at the darker times of the Bronze Age. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. Hey, Michael. Hey, Dad. We need to record another new trailer. Another one? Yes. You know that we read comics and then talk about comics, because as we've established, talking about comics you've not read is just dumb. Yeah, and you make me do it every Thursday. Well, we've moved. Have we? Yes, we have outgrown our old location. I don't feel like I've moved. And we have I'm now grown. moved to twotruefreaks.com. What was that again? Twotruefreaks.com. A-Kids Comics, still every Thursday at Two True Freaks. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. Supermanhomepage.com 
We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. By this point, unfortunately, Superman and his comics were on a decline. And soon, the entire Superman creative team was brought into the DC offices and, according to an account by Dave Hunt, basically told that their time on Superman was over, that John Byrne was being brought in, that the character was getting a revamp. This basically put the two main books in a holding pattern until after the crisis and Byrne's reboot. Now, personally, this is not my favorite part of the Bronze Age. For a time, action comics reverted back to Silver Age silliness, although they were able to bring in Wayne Boring to draw a story or two. Kurt Schaffenberger became one of the main artists at this point, which kind of helped make it look Bronze Age or Silver Age as well. However, it wasn't all terrible. Bob Rosakis, who'd been writing some Superman backup features as well as other DC books at the time, and was also known as DC's Answer Man, was able to introduce a character called Yellow Perry in The New Adventures of Superboy and then have her meet the grown-up Man of Steel in Action Comics. Supergirl got to celebrate her 30th anniversary by crossing over with both of the Superman books, and younger creators such as Eduardo Barreto and Mark Wade got to cut their teeth on Superman. Elliot Magan got to return to, some, to tell some fondly remembered stories. One was Superman 400, which basically followed up his Miracle Monday novel. It was full of short stories telling how other characters in other worlds and other points in time celebrated that special holiday. In a DC Comics Presents annual, he also introduced Kristen Wells, the time traveler from Miracle Monday, into the comic books and had her become Superwoman. Plus, in Superman 411, he wrote the last Earth Prime story, which involved Superman teaming up with Julie Schwartz to help celebrate his 70th birthday. It was a surprise issue that Julie did not know about until the issue was released instead of the solicited one. The only downside, as Julie apparently made sure to point out often, is that the issue came out right in the middle of a multi-part Lex Luthor story. Oops. Technically, it's Julie's fault for having his birthday right then, but whatever. The effects of the crisis were also felt in the Superbooks. A month after Superman teamed up with her in DC Comics Presents, Supergirl was killed in Crisis on Infinite Earths issue 7, which was followed up on in Superman by Carrie Bates, who revealed a husband that she didn't remember and gave us Zor-El and Allura's reactions to her death. In a two-part story that crossed over between DC Comics and Superman, Elliot S. Baggin introduced the Superboy of Earth Prime. While the character didn't play much of a role in the Crisis or in the Bronze Age, he would come back to play a big role in the DCU between Infinite Crisis and the New 52 relaunch. This era also saw the miniseries Superman The Secret Years by Bob Ruzakis, Kurt Swan, and Kurt Schaffenberger. This was originally, originally conceived as a 12-issue maxi-series exploring Clark's college years at Metropolis University, which, for whatever reason, had only briefly been touched upon in the entire previous almost 50 years at this point, while, he, while also showing Superboy dealing with the deaths of the Kents. But, due to the reboot and the crisis, that 12-issue maxi-series cut, cut back to four issues, and so... Things got a little squished, but it's actually not a bad story. And of course, I would be remiss if I failed to mention that Alan Moore got to come play as well with the For the Man Who Has Everything and a Superman Annual Number Eleven, which I covered with Jeffrey Taylor and Billy Hogan way back in issues er, in episodes fifty-four and fifty-five. He also helped usher in the final month of the Bronze Age with his Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, with uh, in 
Superman 423 and Action Comics 583, I believe, were the correct issue numbers. Uh, while he was doing that, Steve Gerber told the, told the final incontinuity story in DC Comics Presents number 97, in which the Phantom Zone, Bizarro World, and Argo City were all destroyed. Following this, as you probably know, John Byrne rebooted Superman with his Man of Steel miniseries. But here's a bit of trivia for you. Did you know that of the, all the proposals made for the reinvigoration of Superman, Steve Gerber and Frank Miller had, uh, sent one in as well? Can you imagine how the post-crisis would be different if Steve Gerber and Frank Miller had been the ones to reboot Superman? All I've been able to find, because he hasn't really gone into detail about it, because it's been a long time and not really much of a point with it, but apparently it sounds pretty similar uh, to John Burns. It's just, it sounds like he would have kept a bit more than what John Byrne kept. So, I don't know. Outside of the comics, Superman spent the 80s starring in three more movies. And yes, I count Superman 4 as a Bronze Age movie, as it continued the continuity from the first three, and most of the production took place before the reboot. Uh, he, was on several, he was on TV in several more incarnations of the Super Friends, and became the mascot for Superman Peanut Butter. Because when you think of Superman, the first thing you think of is peanut butter. He also became an action figure in the Superpowers toy line that not only was a selling point for the final two series of Super Friends, but also brought about three different comic book miniseries as well as several mini-comics that came with the first few waves of the toys. Basically, this toy line included just about every hero in the DCU, from Superman to Firestorm, and most of the villains, including Lex Luthor in his battle suit, the new robotic Brainiac, and of course, Darkseid. It also gave us the first ver the first action figure, and for a long time only, action figure version of Clark Kent, which uh, you had to send in some of the UPCs, I believe, to get that through mail order. Um, it also included vehicles that, uh, such as the Batmobile and the Supermobile, and each toy had a little gimmick, with Superman being with Superman's being that you could squeeze his legs together to activate his superpower or his super punch action. I actually had this toy, and boy, did it go through some rough times. Uh, the little S symbol got knocked off. I lost the cape. I don't know when. Um, yeah, it, it had to deal with me, who was at this point five, and you know, I had three siblings who were, you know, one or two. And of course, as we're growing, they're getting more dangerous with toys. So was I. So it the, 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 it kind of got messed up a little bit. Um, now, if you want a more in-depth look at the Superpowers toy line, make sure you go check out the Fire and Water podcast by Rob Kelly and the Irredeemable Chag. While the title of the show doesn't really seem to imply it, they have spent a couple of episodes looking at the at looking at the figures and the vehicles, not to mention the proposed figures that never made it to retail, and the international versions of the toy line, you know, with the Super Hombres, or Super Amigos, Super Amigos, one of the others. Uh, and while I'm soliciting other podcasts, for more on Superman after the John Byrne reboot, make sure you check out From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, where Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor take a look at every Superman comic published from 1986 to 2006. 
as of this recording, they're up to about the third month after the return of Superman concluded, uh, which was uh, when they're dealing with the death of Adam Grant by the Toy Man. And that's going to bring us to the end of, of our look at the Bronze Age. Next time on... Oh, let's see. <clears throat> and on that dark note, that brings us to the end of our look at Superman in the Bronze Age. Next time, in part one of Commentary Month, which I mentioned earlier, um, the Leylands and I will be taking a look... We'll be doing a commentary for Superman the movie. I hope to see you then and thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age. You have been listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer and J. David Weeder. The home of the show is at www.supermanandthebronzeage.com where you will find show postings, links to the RSS and iTunes feeds, and more. You can also find the show on Facebook where you'll get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted and on Stitcher Smart Radio. Superman of the Bronze Age is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. There you will not only find postings for this show, but also for many other Superman-related podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Listen to our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. <laughs> <laughs>